When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. I am Tom Reed, joined as always by Dave Molinari, who is uh, enjoying a lovely, pleasant trip out in Western Canada. Dave, it, it sounds like you have had a planes, trains, and automobiles type of first few days in Canada. Or, or doesn't sound like you're having as much fun as I thought you might. Yeah, I, th- I think I've been hit by all three of those vehicles. At least that's, <laughs> that, that's the way it feels. It, yeah. has not been, it has not been a pleasant journey to this point. Uh, I think you were see, you, we were talking off air that, I mean, the, the COVID restrictions are, are, are different as far as the uh, identification and stuff you need to have. And apparently Pennsylvania is not one of the states that, uh, that, 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 that has been able to give the cards. And it's, it's been just kind of, kind of a crazy trip, huh? Yeah, Pennsylvania. You, you, getting a card isn't a problem. What, uh, what? At least some, if not all, Canadian provinces are now re- requiring our uh, QR codes on smartphones that can be scanned. Uh, I particularly ran into that issue uh, with trying to get on flights from Calgary to Edmonton and Edmonton to Vancouver. Uh, I think uh, the other Pittsburgh writers who were on the trip uh, encountered similar difficulties. So it's uh, it's been an adventure. Yeah. Uh, right now, the the team we're recording this on on Thursday. Uh, the team just coming off of a five two loss against Edmonton, uh, still sitting right around right at the the, the bottom of the of the qualification zone, the wild card spot, not playing bad, not, not playing great, just hanging in there again, obviously still no Malkin. Dave, I wanted to, to, to kind of this first segment, I get your thoughts on Sidney Crosby kind of 11 games uh, back as, as all fans know, he missed the start of the season, missed training camp, all that with the coming, recovering from the wrist surgery, then gets dealt a blow with COVID. Um, He's played 11 games in Tuesday, two, two goals, six assists. Uh, again, I don't put a whole lot of stock in him plus minus, but he has the worst plus minus on the team at minus eight. Where, where, do, you, where, where do you think his game is right now? Well, I, I think perhaps the question we should really be considering is what – what is the ceiling for his game at this stage of his career? Mm, okay, yeah. You know, that, uh, that might, if, if we knew that, it would give us a little more perspective on where his game is at right now. It certainly is nowhere near what we're accustomed to seeing from him. Um, but, you know, whether, whether those expectations are realistic anymore or not, you know, 
I, I guess we will find out as as the season moves along. He he is 34 years old, has a lot of hard miles on him, and while he's a uh, superior athlete and incredibly well conditioned and, and all of that, um, you know, time does catch up with everyone, and and he's played an awful lot of hockey for for a guy who's missed a lot of games because of injuries and uh, you know concussions and whatever. Uh, He's played an awful lot of hockey I mean, when you when you factor in you know Olympics and Stanley Cup playoffs and things like that. So he's he's got some hard miles on him, and he, you know he he doesn't take the easy way out. So you know it's uh, it, it will be interesting to see just how far he can elevate his game. But to this point, um, he doesn't look very much you know like himself. I, I you know I had seen. I thought, you know, a a steady, if not spectacular, uh, increase in in the caliber of his play, and until the game in Edmonton on Wednesday night, uh, when he, you know, he had a, a pretty good first period, um, so so second, I thought, and in the third, he like the rest of the team just had a night to forget, and I think, you know. <clears throat> he ended up being on the ice for all five Edmonton goals. Uh, you know, it really, it really was a pretty uh, stark reminder of, of how you know Connor McDavid is generally acknowledged he, to have surpassed yeah. him as the the game's uh, top player at this point. Yeah, it's weird because it, it you know just even on our podcast as, as I was planning this out today. Uh, I think it feels like we've talked more about Crosby before he came back into the lineup than we have talked about him since he's been playing. We, we've talked a lot about Tristan Jari, and I think this kind of goes to what you've been saying, is that he's not quite there, and we don't know exactly where the ceiling is, but I have to believe there's more, and I have to believe... I, I want to I think that... Again, this guy didn't have a normal training camp, right? I mean, he was skating. He didn't have any training. Yeah, he didn't right. have any training he camp, skating. really. He, he was skating, right? That's yeah. all he had. Yeah, I, I can remember about 8 million Dave Molinari videos on Twitter of Sidney Crosby mm. out and around, or maybe that's more Malkin. But, but uh, it both, has, yeah. It, it has been a, a kind of an odd start for him. You just don't – you think of him as – as always being near the top of the team and in, or the top of the league in anything. And he just seems to be there right now. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if somebody had told you, especially before the surgery that a couple months into the season, that Crosby would be 12th in scoring, you'd think, God, oh, that's a little lower in the league than you expect. <laughs> right. And then you realize that he, actually talking about him being 12th on the team in scoring. Yeah. No, no you know, he's missed half the game. So, you yeah. know, that, that, yeah. that obviously is, is a factor. But, uh, you know, is, so if you, if you doubled his point production, uh, you know, he would be tied with Evan Rodriguez. So, okay. okay. I, I'm, willing, I'm willing to give Sid uh, uh, some more time here to kind of get back to his level of play, <clears throat> whatever that is. But I, I know it's higher than it is right now because I, Dave, I mean this this Eastern Conference, this division, this Metro Division, uh, is really. Comp- I, I don't know. Uh, again, we with the the elephant in the room, of course, is is Malkin and what he's going to be like when he gets back. But I, I think that, that they're going to need more from Crosby if this team 
uh, wants to comfortably be in the playoffs, right? You know, whether it be a wild card or just getting in. Yeah, I mean, they're not good enough anymore to get by without something close to maximum productivity from just about everybody on the roster. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the days when they could dominate most opponents, you know, by sheer virtue of, of their skill, uh, those are history. And they're going to need Crosby to get his game to, you know, whatever the highest level he is capable of. Um, they're going to need Kasperi Kapanen to score some goals. They're going to need to get more out of Jason Zucker. Um, they're certainly going to need Malkin to play at a a high level. You know, once uh, you know, as with Crosby, you know, he gets a chance to work his way back into you know something resembling uh, you know game shape. He's certainly been very impressive in his workouts. Um, you know, he's skating well, uh, you know, his, uh, his puck skills still seem to be there, but you have to keep in mind that these are just workouts. You know, he's not on the ice, you know, with opponents who are trying to cause him problems. So, you know, have to keep especially the early expectations of him, uh, reasonable, but, you know, ultimately, he's he's going to be a, a big guy for them, just like Crosby is. And, uh, you know, they're going to when Brian Rust comes back, they're going to need more productivity from him. There's it's, uh, you know, if if I were in management, I, I wouldn't be giving the go ahead to print playoff tickets just yet. Although I guess nobody actually prints <laughs> playoff tickets anymore. No, um, I. Uh, just real quickly on Malkin before we, we close out this segment, I, you you would expect him to play sometime in December. I I would, but you know that decision, I'm sure, will be based on medical considerations that I have absolutely absolutely no access to to sure you know, the pertinent information. He looks in, in these workouts as if he could step into the lineup today if there was something to step into today um and i'm sure they would you know love to have him back as quickly as possible but you know until the medical people decide that it is prudent for him to you know be exposed to the challenges and dangers of playing in games i don't think we'll see him i you know i from a layman's perspective, absolutely, I expect to see him sometime in December, and probably not in the terribly distant future. But you know, that decision is ultimately going to hinge pretty much entirely on, on what what the medical people determine. Okay, All right, we're just getting started here. We'll be back uh, uh, after the break. Here, uh, stick with us. A little bit later, we will have Alice Lucan from the Seattle Kraken. Uh, the Kraken uh, will be hosting the Penguins on Monday. Uh, stay with us here on the 6687 podcast.
welcome back to the 606087 podcast. In our next segment, we're going to uh, be joined by friend of the friend of the podcast, Allison Lucan, uh, writer for the Seattle Kraken, also on-air TV personality uh, for the Kraken, does a great job out there. Uh, but before we get to that, I, I, Dave, I wanted to talk a little bit about we're, we're about one third or one a quarter of the way through the season, and. Obviously, the 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 storyline going into that game Monday night is going to be kind of the reunion with a couple of the players. Brandon Tanev, tremendously popular in his time here with the Penguins. Uh, Jared McCann, who ended up being traded to Toronto, but then ends up in Seattle. Uh, both of those guys have had a decent start for a team that is more of a predictable uh, expansion team. Not everybody can be Las Vegas when they come in the league. They're they're near the bottom of the standings. But both of those players are having a decent year. Uh, McCann is second on the team in goals uh, with 10 goals, despite the fact that he's missed four of their games. And Tanif is, uh, excuse me, five games. And Tanif is what he always is. He he's, brings a lot of energy, has eight goals, um, 13 points, um, is, is in the plus category and the plus minus. Um, but, but I guess my first question to you, Dave, is, is one-fourth of the way through the season – how much do they miss those two guys? And has a guy like uh, McGinn been able to at least uh, kind of play to the level at least that uh, fans ex- saw with Brandon Tanner? Give me your thoughts on how much they miss those two guys uh, over the first quarter of the season. Well, I, I mean, I really thought that they made a mistake when they exposed uh, Tanev in the expansion draft because I thought they would really miss the energy that that he brings to his team just with the the frenetic style that he plays. Sure. Uh, but Brock McGinn has uh, fit in pretty nicely, I, I think, with Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston Reese uh, in Tanev's old spot. And while <clears throat> he he is not the same player that that Tanev is. Um, I think he's probably Tanev's equal or, or better, um, overall. So, you know, by and large, I, I, you know, I don't think that, uh, Tanev's departure has hurt them significantly, uh, given some of the issues they've had at times with goal scoring, uh, you know, they probably would have liked to have had Jared McCann around. Uh, assuming he wasn't going through one of his protracted stretches where he's unable to find the net. Uh, you know, really streaky guy, but when he gets on a good streak, you know, he, uh, he can score on a, on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, as he showed last year, in limited time with the number one uh, power play unit, he still led the Penguins in man advantage goals. So, there is, uh, you know, there is some scoring ability there, and he's, you know, he's still. I don't think he's a finished product yet. There is, there is some upside still in in Jared McCann's game. I was, and again, I don't know if this guy was ever uh, thought of as he would be exposed. And certainly, if if I remember the timeline correctly, before they had to make a decision on who they were going to expose, they they re-signed Teddy Bluger, which I. I think there were some people, and I don't think you were one of them, were thinking, well, would you rather have, would you rather expose Bluger or would you rather expose Tanif? 
I was bullish on Bluger. I, I, I just think as a center, just because of just the position itself, um, it's important. I think maybe you were more of the Jeff Carter, right? Go go ahead and correct. Dare, yes, them, that... dare them to take a 36-year-old guy or whatever his age is now. Yeah, that that was my had I been in, in charge of uh, putting together their protected list, I would have protected Tanev and uh, exposed Carter. Uh, I mean, as it right. turns out, you know, they're, they're, the Penguins might well have uh, been operating with some knowledge that the rest of us didn't have at right. the time, specifically that there was a, a chance that they would be starting the season without, you know, Crosby and Malkin, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, neither of their surgeries or planned surgeries had been made public at that point. So that would uh, come down, you know, pretty heavily in favor of keeping a, a proven veteran center like, like Jeff Carter around. Um, so, and, and who knows, uh, perhaps if, if that uh, was a major factor in their thinking, maybe they would have uh, dared Ron Francis to claim him uh rather than risk losing Tanev. But uh, that's something we'll probably never know. Do you think, how do you, Carter's numbers have, have been okay. I, I do wonder, it's almost, I don't want to say it's unfair uh, because he's a pro and a, a really good one, but it's been a lot to ask of, of, of Carter, has it not? Uh, for a guy his age to be playing the minutes that he's playing. There there have been a couple of games where I've noticed he he looks like, they're, they're just asking a lot of somebody that age to play at that level. I think he will, I really think that once they, assuming they ever get back to hole, at least the center ice position, obviously Crosby's back and, and, and Malkin uh, Penguin fans hope is, is just a week or two away. Uh, I think he'll become more effective, maybe playing a little <clears throat> bit of a reduced role. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, he he was brought in because they thought he would be a, a really good guy to have on their third line. Um, yeah. You know, and as it is, you know, he spent half of this season centering the top line, and he's now on the, the second line. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, until Malkin comes back, uh, assuming Crosby stays healthy, Carter will stay on that second line, and, and the Penguins have got to start getting more out of that unit. Um, yeah. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen and, and Jeff Zucker, you know, ha- have got to do a little more in, in terms of, of goal scoring. And just that, that entire line's effectiveness, I, I think they, they can can and have to be better uh, for this team to, you know, come close to uh, reaching its potential. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, you watch uh, Zucker play, and it's you know, the effort is there every night. I, I and of course, it always takes a guy a season. Sometimes it takes a guy a season or so to kind of get used to a new team. But it is amazing to me that he has not been able to to kind of ever reach the offensive level that he reached when he was with the Wild. Yeah, I mean, and I, I wish I had the answer to that because I would sell it to the Penguins for a lot of money because I'm sure they would, <laughs> you know, would like to have him return to something uh, resembling the form that he showed during his 33-goal season with the Wild. 
And you would you would think that with the uh, the personnel that uh, he's played with here, that he would be a pretty consistent scorer. I mean, he's not uh, going to be a Rocket Richard Trophy contender, but twenty five goals, you know, playing on the second line with this team doesn't seem like it would be too much to expect. Um, but yeah, and you know the the mystifying part is it it's it's not a lack of effort. The the guy works hard every time he goes over the boards. He, you know, he doesn't shy away from traffic. Um, it's uh, it's something of a mystery, but it it's one that if if the Penguins aren't able to solve it, probably for the good of all concerned, they'll have to at least you know consider the possibility of trying to trade him to. Uh, you know, address some some other personnel issues, or or even to uh, get a replacement uh, for Zucker. Thanksgiving, which American Thanksgiving, which we we just passed a week ago, is usually the time where I start to pay attention to the standings. The first month and month and a half, as I've always looked at, it, is you're you're like a squirrel. You're just collecting nuts. It's all you're doing. Don't don't worry about anything around you just get nuts to collect so you're you've got enough nuts to go into the winter and then around thanksgiving early december you start to look and say okay do i have enough or am i uh, where am i compared to everyone else's nut collection if to, to belabor this analogy mm. and the penguins are okay they're they're okay given the fact that they have not uh they did not have Sidney crosby uh early in the season and Again, as we mentioned in the first segment, he's not quite to the where we think that he's going to end up as far as uh, his form. Uh, they're they're not in a bad position. As of Thursday, they're they're sitting they're sitting in a playoff spot, the final wild card spot. But I am, I am, um, I feel pretty good about this team's chances this season going forward. Yes, the top of the conference is really strong. Uh, uh, the Rangers have been a little bit better than I thought. Washington, Carolina, no surprises there. You, you knew they were going to probably be near the top. That Atlantic d- division is what it is. Toronto, Florida, and t- Tampa are where you kind of thought they would be. But I want to look toward the bottom of it, uh, Dave, the, the conference. Um, Boston is a team that you would expect to at some point pop up in, in the top eight. Uh, it just – They've just, I guess it's just because they've been so good for so long, you, you would think that they would be okay. But, but the teams below there, uh, who's going to make a push? I watched the Flyers the other night. I've seen them a couple times lately. They, they are missing players. Don't get me wrong. That, does, that team does not look good. They do not look good. And it would not shock me if there was some kind of change made with the Flyers. Elaine Vigneault, they signed him to a big contract. Uh, he's certainly been a proven coach over the years. That team does not look very good. And uh, this Carter Hart has played better. I think that's, you know, they figured we talked a lot last season about Carter Hart. You know, if Carter Hart plays better, this team will certainly be in a punt. He has played better. And yet here are the Flyers sitting five points out of the last playoff spot and going in the wrong direction. Yeah, it's uh, that's quite a surprise. This is the second year in a row where they have uh, considerably underachieved based on what I expected from them. And last year, as you as you mentioned, it was pretty easy to 
point to Carter Hart's goaltending as the reason for that. But uh, this year, they just they look like a bad team, and uh, they certainly don't look that way on paper. So, you yeah, you do have to wonder if uh, if Elaine Vigneault is going to be on a pretty short leash, and you know if it's funny if they would decide to do something. Uh, Internally, they have a couple of assistant coaches who have been head coaches with multiple teams in this league in Michelle Terry and, and uh, Mike Yo. I, 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 you know what? I, and, and I, I completely uh, agree with the idea that the, both of those guys have had head coaching experience. But I'm telling you, it would not shock me to see Rick Tockett behind that bench in January, uh, if the, if the flyers cannot pull out of this and Dave, they've made changes, right? They did not stay with the status quo on that team. They had some serious shakeups in the off season, Boracek out. Uh, they rebuilt their blue line again. They like, but, but can't use injuries as an excuse. Every team goes through them. They just do not look like a team that right now looks like a team that's going to really seriously contend for a playoff spot. The other team that I think will make a push at some point is the one very familiar to the Penguins, the team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year, the Islanders. Dave, they have the second worst record in the Eastern Conference, and a large part of that, again, uh, they started the season w- with eight road games. They're, 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 they're now into their new building. Then they get hit from co- just wave of COVID to the point where the, the, the league had to pause their season for a couple games. I, I believe they're getting back tonight again as, as, as we record, uh, have only played 17 games. So that skews it a little bit, but they have 12 points. This is a team that thought that they were going to contend for the cup this year. Can they make up that? Can they make up a 13 point gap over the last three quarters of the season? Well, they can. And just, uh, for the sake of clarity, they didn't start with eight games on the, on the road. I believe it was 13 games. Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah, yeah. On, yeah. on the road before they uh, opened their new building, and yes, there's enough time to close a, a considerable gap like the one facing New York, especially when they have games in hand on everybody. But something to bear in mind is you you not only have to close the point gap, but you know you have to hurdle a, a number of teams that are in front of you. And especially with the, the three-point games that, that exist in the league today, that can be pretty difficult if, if you get too many clubs separating you from a, from a playoff spot. So, you know, yeah, the Islanders are in a, in, a, in a pretty precarious spot considering that it's just early December. And, and, and the, other th- the other thing that works against them in my mind is they're a team – in recent years that strikes me as a team built for the playoffs. And when I say that they're built to play in a series every other day where they can wear you down, they have not necessarily been a strong regular season team uh, where you're just going and playing an opponent and moving on to the next city and playing another opponent. They have not been one of those teams that have been at the top of the standings uh, year in and year out. Now, last year it was kind of a strange year where I think they may have fallen back to fourth in the, in the division late in the year. But they're, this 
they have a lot of work to do, and that is not the strength of the Islanders. In just, uh, they are not a great regular season team. They're a good regular season team. They are they are in serious danger right now, in in my eyes. Uh, yeah, I don't think you'd find too many people to disagree with that. That's uh, they're in a tough spot, and and it's one that I think very few people uh, expected them to be in, even knowing that they were likely to get off to something of a ragged start just because of, of, you know, not getting into their new arena until November. Yeah. All right. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Allison Lucan. We'll talk a little, a lot about uh, Brandon Tanev, uh, Jared McCann. So stick with us here on the 66 to 87 podcast. Podcast, and we are now joined uh, by our good friend Allison Lucan, who is now uh, on-air personality uh, covering the Seattle Kraken, and also does a lot of writing for the the, the website. Allison, it's great to have you. Uh, Allison and I work together at different different times. Uh, just a lot of people know her just from her tremendous analytics work, but somebody was finally smart enough in the NHL <laughs> to hire this woman. Uh, full-time uh, and is doing a great job uh, covering the NHL's expansion team, Seattle Kraken. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, Allison. Well, I am thrilled as always to talk to you and thrilled as always to be on this show. So thank you for having me. Yes. Allison, I think one of the things that's interesting from your perspective is um, you are a Columbus, a Central Ohio native. When the, when the Blue Jackets started, you were living in Washington. You were working in a former life. You were doing something different. Uh, you, were, you were living in Washington. But then you moved back to the area. You certainly got a sense of what the excitement was like in Columbus. And I wonder if you can kind of compare now that you are covering this expansion franchise in Seattle, Washington. Uh, I'm sure it's had to go through your mind what you remember things like in Columbus and what's going on in Seattle now. Yeah, you know, it, I, I wasn't here, like you said, but I, I do remember particularly the excitement that the Blue Jackets brought just in terms of development and reviving the downtown. Um, I had grown up here, so I know what the downtown used to be and seeing what it was becoming. And then excitement for a new sport. I think where we see some difference, and people who are in Columbus know this, is that Seattle is a little more versed in, in having pro sports around. Sure, sure. Um, while they're a, a little less versed in hockey, there's obviously some quality, quality junior hockey out there. Um, but they're learning the sport perhaps a little bit more. Um, so there's a different kind of excitement. But it, but I do feel, again, that just total sense of hope that full building night after night people just so excited to cheer for anything and be, be excited by by everything from a, a big hit to a big goal and cheering for a goaltender even if they've let in 20 shots before the one that they save it's the purity of it is, is really something special to see and it really i mean i think fans penguins fans when they when they play there on monday will will hear that in the broadcast i know in watching several of the games 
it really comes through on television, at least. And I can't imagine what it's like to be in that building on nights when the, when the team's playing and playing well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really cool. What what if, For listeners who don't know, the Kraken basically renovated um, a building that has been a landmark in Seattle for decades. And so the community is excited about that, being able to go back to a location they had known and loved and had kind of fallen out of total utility. Um, so they're excited, just like I said, with Columbus to see a part of their city rejuvenated. And, you know, this Kraken team hasn't always had the best games. They've had some really tough stretches. And like I said, to see the, the arena stay almost completely full in a game that most of us would consider unwinnable and just cheer their hearts out for this team for anything they did, it, it really is amazing. It's a, it's a huge credit to what these fans are doing and the energy they're bringing to this team. And what I really like is that the players really appreciate it too. You hear them talk about it. You hear the coaching staff talk about it. It really means something to the people in the organization as well. It's just a little backstory here it's quickly for, for fans who aren't basketball fans. It was a huge loss for the Seattle, the Seattle yes. area to lose the Sonics. I mean, and, yes. I, and I, I do wonder when that happened at the time, if they ever wondered if they were going to get another, another professionals franchise. Obviously they have the Seahawks and the Mariners there. But would they ever get that third franchise? And boy, they, they seem to really be really enjoying the start of this. Now, <laughs> Vegas obviously set an outrageously high bar for expansion franchise. And I think a lot of people thought, well, that's probably not too realistic. Uh, it seems, Allison, that what the Kraken are going through is more of what we think of in a typical expansion inaugural season, correct? Yeah, I, I think so. And, and, you know, this team is very honest with themselves, too. I mean, even the forwards will kind of say there's a whole bunch of us that are pretty much at the same level. <laughs> so yeah. um, they know that. I think that um, the model that this front office had going into this season was very sound. And I think part of what people predicated success for this organization on was we all kind of thought this Pacific division wasn't going to be as strong as it's looking, at least early mm -hmm. here. Um, yeah. And so I think that that's where a lot of the optimism for Seattle came from. So um, I think the outside hockey world is is trying to reconcile that. And that's hard if you don't for any team, if you don't pay attention 24 um, seven. But again, the fan, the fans right now, they're they're still all bought in and, and riding the wave of this group. But this, they are what they thought they would be, except with maybe some faltering and goaltending that we didn't expect. Well, I mean, just as a as a wonderful television analyst, you are you. Perfect segue into our next question. Um, <laughs> I do think the the, the, the one that the one number that kind of sticks out early on, and again, not totally surprising as far as the uh, giving you, you teams give up a lot of goals. A lot of times they don't score a lot of goals, but they do tend to give up a lot of goals. I think uh, as we're recording on Thursday, uh, I think fifth from the bottom, uh, goals against average, 3.48. Uh, has that, you, you just alluded to it, uh, uh, did you think that is has the goaltending been a big part of that or why why are the Kraken giving up so many goals early on? Yeah, you know, and, and Tom, you know me. I can't just leave well enough alone. I have to dig into the why. So oh, yeah. um yeah, so even if we even if we look at this goaltending performance, because it has, let's be honest, it has not been what everyone expected, including the goaltenders themselves. They're honest about it. Um sure. but you know, if if you look at the quality against that the Kraken are allowing, it's one of the top five in the league. So yeah. now you say, huh, so is it goaltending? 
but what, what we've really been exploring, and, and I don't know that we have the answer yet, I think that often, and most of us don't give goaltenders their well due. We don't understand the position, so we don't really dig into what they're facing. And these goaltenders were pretty upfront with me, even before the season started, that they're going to have to adjust mainly to understanding how the players in front of them, what they're going to give them and expect them to stop, and what they're going to stop for them. And we've started to look at some specific types of chances against that have really been struggles for these goaltenders. One has been rush chances. Um, and, you know, if you look at a couple of these goals against, you can see where maybe a goaltender doesn't take the poke check because he expects to have support from his defender and the yeah. defender is expecting the goaltender poke check. So there are little nuances here that I think just as much as we talk about skaters having to adapt to a whole new system, we're seeing that with these goaltenders. I don't think it's that either goaltender has fundamentally just lost their game. I think it's taking longer than anyone wanted to for them to adapt. But I do think we need to continue to ask what kinds of chances have these goals against been coming on? Is there a pattern? And then how does the team in front of these goaltenders adapt their system to make sure everyone's on the same page in terms of how they respond to an offensive attack? There you go. Uh, Allison, Brandon Tanov was uh, not surprisingly a, a fan favorite in, in Pittsburgh during his time there. How has he been uh, received in Seattle? <laughs> well, he is a fan favorite in Seattle, I'll tell you. And, and you know, for, for people who know him, they know that, you know, the way he plays is, particularly if you're a newer fan to hockey, it's an easy style to draw the eye. It's tenacious. It's high energy. He's got that flowing hair. He mimicked the uh, headshot that he had from Pittsburgh with the crazy eyes and fans love that. Um, and then he came out of the gate as one of the more um, repetitive and, and repeatable scorers for this team, especially early on. So it's been really easy for fans to love him. I think he's just being true to what he is. Um, he's part of a tenacious line um, that is aggressive on the four check that will skate down pucks hard on the pucks, provide some scoring chances. Um, fans love him. There's no surprises for people who followed his game. And I think as of last count, his jersey was one of the top two selling in the market. Oh, and uh, another Penguin who ended up in Seattle, uh, albeit uh, with a detour through Toronto, was Jared McCann. Um, as we were recording this, he, he has 10 goals, which uh, is not bad for anybody at this point in the season. How has he uh, performed overall for the Kraken? Yeah, Jared McCann is, is one of my personal favorites on this team. And I think that he maybe doesn't get as much attention because, as you know, he's, he's not a flashy player. He's not a flashy individual. Um, he's a quiet individual. But he, he is the classic case of give a player more opportunity and he's going to make the most of it. He has really been consistent um, in his ability to generate offense and help his line mates create offense before Yanni Gord returned. It was Jared McCann who slotted in at center on the top line between um, uh, Schultz and Eberle. So this is a player that they're going to, in all situations, on the power play, five on five, late pushes for uh, evening goals. I love the way he's playing. He's been an analytics darling for quite some time. <laughs> and, and he's proving it, even if people don't notice him as much as they notice Brandon Tannum. <laughs> um, I obviously we're we're still relatively early in the season but is there any particular player or facet of the uh 
of the Krakens that has, you know, been a, a pleasant surprise to this to this point? You know, it's a great question. And, and I think that for me, um, a surprise has been being able to see Yanni Gord be what he is. Um, this is a player obviously came from a talented Tampa Bay franchise. And when you have a situation like that, you want to see how much is within the player and how much was where he was in a talented lineup and who he was playing with. And I think he's really the heartbeat of this team, a uh, different skill set, but reminds me a lot of an Artemi Panarin type in terms of a pace setter as far as energy and skill for the players around him. And I have also been very impressed with this group's ability to survive a lot of curveballs. Um, they've had some coat losses in the lineup to COVID. Captain Mark Giordano is currently out. They're now going through a massive rash of injuries again. Um, and for them to continue to find their stride and actually have their most success to date with some of their biggest losses out of the lineup is a big statement to me that they're buying in. And that is so important with a new franchise. Allison, uh, tremendous stuff as always. Uh, great having you on. Uh, it's a cliche, but it's, uh, it's nice when good things happen to good people and uh, hope fans out there that like to continue to follow those former Penguins uh, read up on her stuff every day on the Seattle website. She does a tremendous job. Uh, we'll hope to have you on here a little bit later in the season. Thanks, Allison. Anything you need anytime, my friends. Take care. Thank you. <laughs> For Allison Lucan and Dave Molinari, this is Tom Reed. We'll talk to you again next week on the 66 to 87 podcast.